Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Family Writing Journey. I'm Michael. I'm Sonny. And I'm Matthew. We're a dad, a mom, and a teenage son. We each recently took up fiction writing. We're definitely not experts, but we hope you'll enjoy hearing about our journey and maybe get inspired to start your own. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Family Writing Journey. In this episode, we'll be talking about plot development. I'm really excited about this because this is really interesting to me at this point. I wish it had been more interesting sooner. So plot development, sort of generally the structure of how you make your story and how you make your story work. I think for me, this is exciting because I'm, I'm doing something slightly different here. Um, but first, let's go to... What do you mean you're doing something oh, different? We'll go to me. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so for the first book I wrote, just a draft, I'll call it. Um, I thought about a story and it seemed sort of interesting and I wrote it. And this time I am trying to take some advice because, you know, while I think my story is interesting and good, I don't know if it really, I'm going to say, I don't know if it really works. Yeah. And your first book, if I can say it, was a little strangely structured. And I noticed a little bit of that reading. No, it. no, mean, you can't. You can't say that. Well, I did say that. <laughs> so. I guess you can. <laughs> yeah, right. And I don't know if it was or not, but apparently, you know, my my alpha reader thought it was. So and it, yeah. well, and I said it to you at the time too. It was the part where there was sort of a mini quest without a real conclusion that happened like before the actual story started. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just an, an irregular st structure compared with the, a normal, a more normal sequencing of events. Yeah. And I think, you know, being a beginning writer, I should probably maybe not just do my own thing too much. I know, I know that's good. You got to learn how to write your own way. But so this time what I did, th there's a few story structures that exist out there in the world that you can sort of roughly follow. Uh, the hero's journey, and you can, you know, you have to sort of look this stuff up. Um, there was a book written by a screenplay writer for movies, um, something the cat, I forgot it. Oh, save the cat, save the cat, yeah. Um, and and story grid is another sort of thing out there that uh, an editor has made. So anyway, for this next story, I looked at some secondary person's adaptation of the <laughs> um, save the cat plot structure summary, which sounds very convoluted. But anyway, I got, I got an idea of how to structure the plot. So I'm doing this next story that way. So, but you interrupted me. I didn't want to get that deep yet with your questions. No, <laughs> so, that's, that's good. And I'm kind of in the same place in a way, because my first drafted um, short book was the same. I just was following Matthew's advice to just have fun, write a story, do whatever I wanted to do and not worry about it. But with the draft that I just started a month or so ago, like you, I, I kind of started with my own stuff, but then I compared it to a few ideas that I found online in terms of how to structure the plot. And it's it's a little different when you think about it like that. So Matthew, you you seem to go your own way. I well, <laughs> I don't I haven't looked into plot structures and chosen one to sort of model the events of my story off of. But I think a lot of it is sort of 
there anyway, just unconsciously based on books that I've read and it shows up in my own work. Yeah, I think that's true. And especially, I know we've talked a little bit about genre expectations, but you read a lot of fantasy. So I'm guessing that somewhere in your mind, you have a general idea. Right, right. You know, my first of- book is sort of, it has a, que- a heavy quest element. And I've read a lot of books that have quests in them. So there's obviously similarities between the structuring of my book and the structuring of books that I have read. So dad and I just said that with our second books that we're just starting now, we kind of went back to the drawing board and, and tried to compare our ideas to a structure. Yeah, I didn't do that. How come you didn't? Um, I don't know. I, for me, writing is still just fun. It's It's still just sort of a side hobby that I do without trying to be trying to market to a particular group of people or trying to create an amazing, perfect book. So I just don't really worry about that because I think if I did worry about that, I would feel, even if it isn't necessarily true, I would feel like my creativity is being impinged by, by a structure. You don't want to be stifled by structure. Right. Which I'm not saying that you guys are. I'm (laughs) saying that's how I would feel and it would mess up my, my process. And it's hard to say, I started my draft and I, I did definitely write a, a pretty in-depth chapter outline for the book I'm working on currently. And I didn't look at a, I didn't look at a formal plot structure until after I had already drafted it. But then I went back and sort of looked and thought, okay, how do my chapters match up with, you know, some of these ideas? And I did find one or two things. Like just to give a quick example, one of the things that was in the plot outline that dad had shared with me was to have a kind of a pivotal moment sort of in the middle of the story where the character is is really, it's the the all is lost moment, right? right? Yeah. Where everything looks dark and and it just it's 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 just a it's just a dark moment. And it can happen, it can be physical, emotional, I mean there's different ways to do it. But I looked back through my chapters and I thought, well, you know, I do have something that sort of happens at the midpoint, but then I just kind of moved on from it. And it did seem like it was a natural point to have this dark moment for the character, this kind of all is lost moment. And so I added, I ended up adding a chapter or maybe just a scene that pulled that out. And I think it made it better. I I don't think I would have thought to do it, but I think the structure gave me an idea that. Yeah. I think that's the best way to use plot structures, not to like start with the plot structure and build a story off of it, but you start with the story and then you look at the plot structure and see which elements will make sense in your own story, which mm-hmm. ones will be helpful. You don't have to use everything, but right. some of the things are good. Some of the things won't work. And I was honestly surprised how much my chapter outline, which was pretty detailed, but it matched up fairly well with the, the plot structure that you and I were looking at. Yeah. And that's a little tougher for me because I don't really outline. Right. Or at least I, I shouldn't say I don't. I have not really yet, but I did try to use it. <laughs> he doesn't outline. <laughs> yeah, I really don't outline. <laughs> but you, you could mean, in the future. I could. And the, like, so I did this plot summary though for my new book. And I did look at that at sort of a, a rough structure. And I, I sort of tried to get some of the points in there. Now, of course, I've, I've already sort of strayed as I started writing. Oh, by the way, instead of saying that I'm a pantser, we're saying that I'm a, uh, what's it called? Development? Discovery oh, writer. discovery writer. Yes. Yeah, I'm a discovery writer. That sounds, that sounds a, little a little bit more reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I'm a discovery writer. But I do think 
for me that it's really helpful to think about these concepts, even if I don't sort of outline it out. So we've got a couple, you know, big points that are that are in stories. And some of these you're not going to miss, right? The inciting incident. Right. So that's like a hook, something that happens in the beginning. That makes sense, like to have an inciting incident. I think we all probably had that in our story. Well, actually, I have (laughs) both of my the stories that I the one that I finished and the one that I am working on now have inciting incidents, obviously. But I had a, a problem that happened twice, which is that I skipped the inciting incident in the actual writing of my book in my first. So in my first book, like. I started my story like several weeks after the inciting incident. What what would be in terms of the story, the inciting incident, like the event that sparks off the character's uh, involvement with the plot and the world and stuff. And I just did that without thinking about it. I don't really know why. I just sort of chose a random place to start the book. And in my second book, I did the same thing. Or I started to do the same thing, which was like I started to write immediately after the inciting incident had already happened and the second time around i noticed it so i went back and i wrote the inciting incident because it's something that makes sense to have although could you could you just sort of you know throughout as you're as you're writing your books sort of refer back to it you can i mean i did that in my first book yeah because i I, I like that i mean i don't know how much we're getting into details of our book but i assume you can see what the inciting incident of my first book oh yeah yeah totally and it was hinted to at throughout the book, but not written. But I, I like that. I think it was good. But really, if there's no reason to do that, like it sort of made sense in my first book that there was sort of a reason to keep the mystery of it for a little while. But in the second book, it didn't make sense because, yeah. well, it just didn't make sense. I mean, I need the inciting incident. So you weren't actively trying to go against no. established wisdom on a plot <laughs> structure? No, although yeah. he would have. It just happened. I would have done that, but I didn't. I hadn't thought about it, and then yeah. when I did think about it, I realized that I had done this. So the second time around, in my second book, I have gone back and written the inciting incident. And it's funny. I remember exactly where I was when I first heard this this term, inciting incident. I'd never heard that word before until the three of us were taking that trip to hike in the Adirondacks. Oh, and I forced you guys to listen to part of a which podcast. Which was just, a, it was like, it was June. It was just a few months ago. I had already written my first book without ever really knowing much of anything about plot structure. And I think looking back, um, my book does have a very slow start without a lot to really grab um, to the reader. Right. Did we explain what an inciting incident is enough? Not at all, but I don't I think assume so. it was implied. You can, you can take a stab at it. Um, Ooh, I guess that would be a good inciting incident. Yeah, the stab. stab. Yeah. So it's it's basically an event. I did I did say this actually. Did you? It's like an event that pulls that pulls your main character into the flow of the plot, like their starting point that that changes their world and starts them on whatever path the plot will take, basically. And so, sorry, I sort of interrupted your thought. Oh no, that's fine. So I'm just thinking, plot structures are useful for different genres of writing, right? Like there could be an inciting incident in your fantasy novel, but there could also be one in in romance or mystery or whatever. Yeah, right? basically every book has, I would think, an inciting incident and and sort of like a gradual build in action and then a climax where 
the important things happen and the events of the story come together and then it sort of falls off and mm-hmm. chills out. So that's kind of like a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, basically. At the simplest form. Which makes sense, because if you think about storytelling, even if you just think about telling a story to, to a friend about something that happened, you know, people, they want something that interests, that gets them hooked and interested, then they want to know what happens, and then they want to know how it resolves. Right. And right. I guess it's sort of the same thing that we're doing with our writing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I just started a book actually today. And um, it's maybe 20 or 30 pages in. And I know what the, it's a post-apocalyptic book. So I know what the inciting incident is going to be. You're reading it. I'm reading it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. And it's like, it's kind of annoying me because it's background. And I don't know if I'm just impatient for the more interesting stuff. And I know the background, you know, could be important and is important. But I want my inciting incident earlier. But yeah, that, and different books have it different ways. Like the Wheel of Time books, a fantasy series, <laughs> they have like fifty pages of buildup and then the inciting incident. Right. But on the scale of the series, which is a fourteen book series with each book being eight hundred pages or so, <laughs> that that size makes sense proportionally. That's right. like the first sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> All right. Well, so and it gets back to your point from a few minutes ago that you don't necessarily have to take an established stru- plot structure and write your book to it, but you can take what you want to do and then see how it kind of matches up. So there should be an inciting incident. If there's none at all, then well, that's probably if a there problem, is none, but, there has to be a reason that there is not. But if you, you know, but you could have leeway in terms of where you put it or how you work with it. Right, right. Yeah, and it could as you alluded to before, it could be anything, you know, someone could lose their job, they could meet somebody, you know, it, it could be, we're, we're all thinking in the sort of the fantasy lane where the inciting incident is sort of a major event, you know, a cataclysmic thing or, or some world changing, but it, it could be really small. It could be a divorce or whatever. Well, and I'll just, to give an example from my, from my first book, the inciting incident, even though at first I thought there wasn't one, but really it was when the main character received this letter from her sister and the letter was asking her to kind of take on this task that she didn't really want to do and that kind of kicked everything off so it wasn't exciting like a building blowing up it was just a letter that came and she read it and thought right it doesn't have to be exciting it just has to be inciting yeah so incident might I, I feel like sometimes they don't call it incident sometimes they use another word but i can't think of it like an inciting beginning hook no, they're inciting something else, not incident. I don't know. I think that that's the most common term that I've heard for it. Even before I was into sort of a more writing world, I'd heard it talking from a reader's perspective of the inciting incident. And then rising action, if you think of that as sort of the next, or or I, I have read and, and think of it as progressive complications. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really next exactly, but in a, in a broad scheme, it might be so, and that makes sense too, because, you know, you have an incident and then some reaction to it and then things get progressive, progressively better, progressively worse. I guess it progressively more progressively higher stakes. Yeah. I think is a good way yeah. To that. Yeah. I like that. I think anyway, these are this, all this stuff is more easy for me to think about in movies. Yeah, movies are sort of a condensed version yeah. of this same plot structure that you could use in a book, yeah. I would think. 
especially like Sunny mentioned, the all is lost moment, you know, that that's so common in, in the kind of movies that I watch. Right, right, right. A moment where everything seems bad. Yeah. Right. And and then somehow it gets broken out of. Right. I think one of the problems that I have with the rising action, and it makes sense. I, I think that's a pretty easy piece of the plot that every book is going to have that, you know, period yeah. of time where you're, you know, you're getting to know characters and new things are happening and information is being added to your understanding. One of the things that I'm kind of struggling with because I'm I'm writing the rising action section of my current book is that I've got a couple of different subplots going on. And so I'm having a little trouble keeping the rising action straight in a way, you know, I, I have to keep following different characters and different subplots and I'm trying to sort of eventually bring them all together. But I feel like this part of the book I'm finding is a little hard to stay on track in terms yeah. of, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's it's I think it's certainly the case that the beginning and the ending are the easiest to conceptualize and usually to write. I've heard this expression, the messy middle. Where right, it, it because it's like it's less structured. It's less clear how, like you can start a story knowing the beginning and knowing the ending, and the middle is the part that you're not entirely sure, like how you're going to get to the end. And I guess one thing, since we're talking about plot structure, I sometimes feel like this, the plot structures are good for looking at the progression of your of your primary plot. But they don't always take into account that you've got multiple subplots. And, yeah. so, and some of the subplots, you know, they don't resolve necessarily on the same time frame as the main. Yeah. So like you can, I have, you can have little mini climaxes for yeah, subplots. Exactly. Right? So kind of within the bigger thing. And that's sort of what I'm feeling now. I feel like I've got like a subplot that I want to wrap up earlier in the book. So it it's kind of progressing at a different pace than the overall plot. Although... A lot of some authors, and I think this is a common thing, like they bring their subplots, the subplots all come together and are concluded with the climax. Like Brandon Sanderson does this really well. His endings are spectacular because he has so many threads, but they all sort of converge at the end and are resolved. Mm -hmm. And some stuff is resolved like beforehand too, but it's like a lot of things come together at the end, which yeah. I think is generally how it works. Yeah, and I I read that someplace that you're trying to think about all those subplots, like you said, at, at some point sort of intersecting, and right. and things that the reader maybe didn't realize were going to be connected. All of a sudden, you say, "Oh wow, that's that's right. how that fits in," or yeah. you know, "That's why that happened." Right. Um, that's a good author, and you know, and, and longer books, right? If you're writing a hundred and fifty page thriller or something then maybe you don't have to worry so much. You probably don't have so much in the way of subplots. But, but you know, everyone, you need it in most stories, I would think. Yeah. Inside, you know, characters that you do develop. So I'm writing Rising Action and so are you. What, what point are you at, Michael or Matthew, with what you're doing? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle too, the Rising Action. My story is a little, I don't really know how to describe it. It's, it doesn't follow a particular structure other than that it has an inciting incident that brings my character into the story and sort of a conclusion. But the middle part is a little back and forth, which is not necessarily bad, although it makes it a little more difficult to write and keep track of. 
And I read someplace in one of the structures we were looking at recently that that the climax is usually somewhere around like 80% in, like, in other words, it's, it's close yeah, to the end, it's the end, but there, that there's often also something sort of semi-climactic somewhere in the middle. Right. Right. And that's where that structure talked about having sort of a midpoint that was exciting. And then maybe also that's kind of the point where you, where you might have something happens that's dramatic and then you have your sort of all is lost moment. And so I, I don't know. So you don't, you don't feel like your work. I don't have much of a midpoint, I think. Is a good way to so put it. So you've got a big middle. I have a big middle. Yeah. Yes. It has sort of a couple midpoints, but none that stick out as the main one. Mm -hmm. And even though I've only written one thing before, don't you guys think that once you get past that and you're at sort of the climactic ending, that that's the most fun to write? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the beginning. Because that's where it all comes to. Yeah, all your yeah. ideas are finally going to be realized. Yeah. Yeah. The beginning's initially sort of fun the draw of it you know you've got the story and you're trying to get it out but but the end is is really i think yeah in the middle is the hardest yeah that makes sense yeah and i think if you're excited about your story then the climax should be fun to write then if anything i think we've all had the problem of you get to that last you know you're three quarters of the way done or whatever 80 percent done and the climax is there and it's exciting and then you want to just kind of you know, rush to the end. Right. Um, yeah. So most yeah. plot structures after the Ooh, climax. I've never had sound effects on the show before. <laughs> We're rising to a new level of excitement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, but so that idea that most plot structures talk about the idea that you can't just get to the climax and then, you know, rush your readers out of the book, but then you have to also think about then what they call the falling action, you know, so how do you kind of, which I guess is sort of tying up your loose ends. Right. And show, showing showing a concluded story, like showing the characters more at peace and showing the world more uh, fixed from whatever problem was in the climax. You know? Oh, I didn't. I can't just say it and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> you can, but people don't like that <laughs> right, anymore. Right. <laughs> and I'll add to that. We haven't had a, an episode on character yet, but I know we're going to, but one of the things that I think people also are looking for in that in that falling action after the climax is again to really to really have it hit home that there's been an arc for some yeah. of the characters. That's a good point actually to bring that up because that's a big part of the climax usually. Like the plot is which is what we're talking about resolves at a climax, but the characters' arcs usually do too at the same time. Right, because a lot of times a character, some problem that you introduced way back at the beginning, then is whatever, you know, really brought out or... Right, there's like a big moment where challenged. they have to face down a personal flaw or something like that. Right, right. And so the reader isn't going to feel great about the story and the plot structure if you don't give them that falling action enough time to kind of process the, not only how all the loose ends tie up, but how and how the story comes together, like you said, Matthew but also how the, how the character, I read someplace yeah, the that, character processes. You, that you really should literally be able to look at your first, almost your first and last chapter or close to it and really see clearly where the, where the main character started and, and where they ended up. And I know it's a little simplistic, but that when people feel really satisfied with the story, it, it usually has that idea. Who knew there was so much cool stuff 
to <laughs> think about with writing. I mean, I guess a lot of people knew, but I didn't know any knew. of that. I know. Well, and it is true. I, I think it bears saying again that when we, when we started this less than a year ago, we were just totally winging it. Matthew was at least intentionally winging it. Right. It was but, a conscious choice. Right. But Michael and I, I mean, we, we just had right. zero idea what we were doing. Yeah. And so we were just kind of doing it. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I do feel like, you know, talking a little bit about how our plots have changed, how our approach to plotting has changed. I'm definitely taking a more structured approach to plotting with the second book. Yeah. I... I get super excited by things like when you guys were talking about when we all were talking about outlining and I was thinking about how much you guys outline, I was like, Oh man, I should really do that. That sounds so smart. <laughs> and now looking through some of the plot stuff, I think, man, I should really, you know, look <laughs> at my plot and, and it, I do get really excited by it. But then when it comes to it, I, it, some of it gets in, right. So, you know, right. you get a little osmosis, you read things, you hear about things or talk about them and it, hopefully it all makes my story writing story making better i don't i would like to think that maybe i would put even more thought into plot structure and hopefully i will but you seem to have sort of the problem but not necessarily a problem of like wanting to jump into the writing like yeah that that's the fun part to you you don't want to do extensive outlining because the story is what is important to you yeah the outlining feels like homework yeah, yeah. And I like the extent I'm doing much more extensive outlining this time. And I feel like my story is going to be much tighter. Um, it, it doesn't mean that there's not discovery because I mean, there's still characters that have just sort of come out of the blue that I wasn't planning at all, yeah, that are, cool? which is yeah. really cool. That's yeah. like the, the story kind of emerging. But um, for me, it definitely thinking about plot brings me back around to you know, some of our conversation about outlining and just how much structure you like to bring to your writing. Yeah. And kind of where you like to put the work. Cause I spent, you know, a long time up front. Um, but now that the writing's underway, it's, it flows more smoothly. Yeah. So, so you think you're liking it and going to continue to do it. I think I really like it and I might try to do it more. Matthew. Um, I don't know. I think, I think, I could learn more about plot structures, but I don't really think that I'm going to implement them fully. Like I can see it would be good to know what the plot structures are and see how your story fits into it and, and like which parts of it will work best for you. But I like the less structured style of writing. Like I'm, I'm good with outlining um, like your own, your own story and your characters and your world and whatever, but looking at a structure for the plot doesn't feel as good to me because I, I don't know. I don't want to be forced into doing something just because I think it is the way that it should be done. When like some of those things could be useful, but it's not all necessary all the time. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good reminder that there's a lot of different ways to approach it and still have fun with it. So, yeah. Well, very good. I think we'll wrap up for the day. This was a great episode. I know I'm going to keep thinking about it a little bit. So thanks for joining us today and good luck with your own writing journey. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye.